scripture reading this morning is from Matthew 20, verses 1 through 16. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. When he went out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he said to them, you also go into the vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. When he went out again about noon and about three o'clock, he did the same. And about five o'clock, he went out and found others standing around, and he said to them, why are you standing here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you also go into the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and then going to the first. When those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. Now when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received the usual daily wage. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, these last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to the last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be, be to, to God. God. Amen. Let me see Well, for the first part of my daughter's life, I considered her a daddy's girl. I mean, she wanted her daddy to take her to school. She wanted her daddy to come to lunch at school. She wanted to go to the church with me. I mean, uh, for all the years that I lost with my son, I thought, maybe I'm getting a few back here. And then there was high school. <laughs> oh my, the stress began. Um, our relationship has kind of run hot and cold up and down over the last several years. There's been no doubt at any point of our love for each other. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had the opportunity that, that opened for me to go to Colorado, and I invited my daughter. And her family, we met up there. It was more than I could ever have hoped for. We, we spent time talking and laughing. It was, it was like we went back years. And what we had had in those moments of her childhood, we were now reliving again. Now, don't misunderstand me. I let her drive. One evening as we're sitting around dinner, and she says to me, you have to understand that my daughter has not only been up and down with me, also with the church and with her faith. She says to me, Daddy, while we're up here, is there any rule against us baptizing my children? My soul and my heart just exploded. And the first thing I thought was, don't open your mouth. <laughs> don't get up and do a happy dance. 
you know, don't let them see the tears that are filling my eyes. I don't know what, I don't know if I did a good job with that, but I, I said, no, it's not any rule. And if there is one, we'll get around it. Yeah. She said to me, Alex and I are ready to make a commitment. We're ready to take a different path. So we planned a service down by the brook behind the cabin. And on Saturday evening, we baptized her children and they made a, a renewal of their commitment to Christ and a commitment to raise their children in the faith of Jesus Christ. Last week reminded me of something that I often and we often forget. We know it. That the generosity of God's grace and love is more powerful than the influence of this world. And friends, that's what I want to talk about today. The generosity of God's grace that overcomes all. Let's pray. Lord God, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. The parable in chapter 20 that was read for you follows on the heels of Jesus dealing with a rich young ruler who is more committed to his position and his riches than the possibility of following Jesus. It was too much for him. There's also a discussion between Jesus and the disciples about the, um, uh, about the, the nature of God's blessing. You see, in that particular day, you earned blessing. You deserved curse. And, and so a rich young ruler, uh, that would be evidence of blessing. Well, why is it that this man could not get into heaven? And so Jesus tells him a parable. He says, For the kingdom of God of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. And throughout the Bible, vineyard is an image for the covenant people of God. It is the image of, of the, the kingdom of God, the people of God under God's rule and God's influence. And this master of the vineyard needs workers. So he goes into the village town early in the morning to hire workers. And in that particular day, finding workers for a vineyard, day laborers, was not uncommon. In fact, it was, it was most common. And landowners could come at any time during the day early, mid-noon, depending on the, how excessive the harvest might be and how hard those early workers did their job. So the story kind of unfolds in a way that those who were listening would have understood. The story starts with, and he agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. Now this is where it begins to change a little bit. The verse sounds like a contract. He agreed to pay. But the Greek and the Aramaic are much deeper in their meaning. Because the, word, the Greek word symphoniasus, which is translated agree, 
actually means harmony. The master is searching for those who are in harmony with him. Further, the word conveys a special connection of care and concern. He was in harmony with them, knowing what they needed, almost reading their minds. The master of the vineyard comes to the village not just to find workers. He's looking for those who have greater needs for their lives. And these are the ones he hires first. And the problem here as we see through the story is that these workers are more interested in getting what they deserve than getting generosity. It, it continues. In verse 9, it says, About nine in the morning he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, You also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. He doesn't actually just come at nine. He comes back at noon, at three, and at five. This is really the best part of the story. Because the landowner goes back to the village to hire more workers. Yes, that was, that was, that was common in that day. But it wasn't that he just saw those standing around. The Greek word Aiden, translated saw, is actually one that means perceived with one spirit. He was looking into their souls. I can just kind of watch. I wish I could be a fly on the wall to see the listeners as they heard Jesus tell this parable and the different language that he was using. Because he's, the landowner's looking for more than just help in the vineyard. He's looking for souls in need. The Greek word argos, translated do nothing, those who were doing nothing, actually means useless or without meaning. He sees more than their need for work. He's seeing their lives. He offers them payment, but their payment is different than those that he hired first. He says, I will pay you what is right. Decaon. Which actually means to make right. Or to make just. In other words... What the landowner was saying, and I believe God is saying to us this morning and on every morning, is come join me and I will take what is inside of you and make a difference. Come join me and I will take what is inside of you and make a difference. The next passage of Scripture talks about him going back at noon, at three, at five, and he basically makes the same invitation. This is pretty unusual now. It, it's not totally unusual, but as he goes back, it becomes more and more unusual. And what is most unusual is that the phrase here indicates he hires everybody. He, he, he didn't just hire what he needs. He hires everybody. Everybody who is willing. Then in verse 8, when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, 
Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and go on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. Those around Jesus are listening now. This is unusual behavior. Typically, the owner would start with those who'd worked a whole day to give them a day's wages. And, And then you would work down. Because if you ran out of money, you could adjust the payment and negotiate. Because you can't really put a measure on, on 9, 12, 3, and 5. There's a difference there. You could adjust the payment for the late. <laughs> you know, as, as you read through this, you realize that this is outrageous. It makes no economic sense. Anybody that has a business mind knows that... that This guy who goes to the village and hires everybody that's available and then pays them all the same wage, a day's wage, no matter what they have worked. Something else is going on here. Something else is going on here. We'll look carefully at Jesus' words. The landowner is offering more than money. For the landowner, it's not about economics. Apollos... Apodos, translated pay, literally means to restore. Misthon, translated wages, literally means reward. In fact, it is a word that's typically used to describe God's righteousness. In other words, what what the landowner, or what Jesus is saying about the landowner, God, it's not about what we deserve. It's about the generosity of God that is offered to restore us, to reward us for our faithfulness. He's more concerned about their lives, not what they deserve, but what they need. Then comes the objection. You knew it was coming, didn't you? (laughs) You know, I mean, and everybody that's listening to the parable, they're thinking it, right? Then those who came, who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius, a day's wage. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us. We have borne the burden of the work in the heat of the day. <sighs> Man, have you ever heard that before? Like, okay, okay. We do this all the time. We measure the fairness of life. How can this be? This is not fair. We deserve more. And in doing so, we miss the point. It's not about the pay. It's not about what we deserve. The reward and restoration comes from being in the vineyard with the master. And for those who miss that call... Unfortunately, Jesus says uh, he invited them to go away. And to the others, there's no word about them leaving. They wanted to stay with this boss. Leonard responds, I'm not being unfair to you, friend. You didn't agree to work for Daenerys. Uh, You did agree to work for it. Take your pay and go. Hmm. 
I hope that Jesus never says that to me. But never says, take what you deserve. I don't deserve God's grace. I don't deserve God's love. I don't deserve what God pours out for me and what I felt last weekend. I don't deserve it. And then those words that turns the world on its head. So the last will be first and the first will be last. The troublesome words, really. How can this be? Hmm. You see, this is what Jesus has been trying to get through to his followers all along. There's no first or last in God's kingdom. In fact, what Jesus is trying to say is that those who are on the edges that think that there is no hope for them to be, to be in, the, in the intimate presence of God, that they will be. And, and that those who are first, who are tied up in their own self-reliance and their own self-righteousness, they've missed the point, and they'll be last. They'll be left out no matter what their place in life. It's an indicator of our submission and devotion to God. So, that's the parable. So the question is, do you think the early followers got the generosity of God? Do you think they got it? I think some did, most not. I mean, think about it for a moment. We know the whole story. We know the whole story through the crucifixion, the resurrection, the, the empowerment of the disciples and followers through the book of Acts, the blessing and power of the early church. And we often don't get it. We still try to measure our lives by human standards. Hmm. Restoration comes as a result of God's presence, his grace, and doing all that we can in the vineyard. So let me repeat it again. It's an invitation. Jesus says, come join me, and I will take what's inside of you and make a difference. For a moment, I want to build a few bridges with that statement. And to look at a couple of ways, there are a multitude of ways, but what are some bridges for our lives? Faith, and our faith, is it the true path to life? Is it always before us? Relationships? In relationships, where is God in those? Where is our, where is our faith? Where is our generosity? For every contact is a blessing. To live in relationships as one who is blessed, not entitled. We set the standard with our faith. In work, to see our work as a means, not an ends, as an opportunity of making a difference, not just getting a paycheck. Children, oh my goodness, 
oh my goodness, children. Children are so challenged today, and especially now with all of the arguments that are going on across our nation. We should invest ourselves in children. And you may, whether you are a parent or not, we have the opportunity daily to invest ourselves, to make ourselves available, to teach them the way of Christ, to volunteer, to let the children see our faith, our prayer, our commitment in the church. You knew I was going to get around to the church, didn't you? I mean, I'm a preacher, for goodness sakes. I've always got to talk about the church, right? You see, but this parable speaks to the heart of our mission. Filling every neighborhood with the good news of God's love. The master keeps going back to the village. He doesn't stop until there's no one else to hire And we are not done until every neighborhood from Carrollton to Cambodia has experienced the love of Jesus. We've talked about winning the soul of America. That's been the mission of the Methodist movement from the very beginning. To win the soul of of every nation, of every community. It's not a political slogan. Let's not let the politicians steal it from us. It is ours. It is the church's. It is our mission to win the soul of our culture. It is a call to love to serve outside these walls with everything we have. Everything. Uh, on the way back from Colorado, on the 11-hour journey, I started out by praying and singing. I did a little shouting. I was thanking God for the time that I'd had with my daughter, for the talks that we'd had, for the recommitment that she and her husband had made, for baptizing their children. Uh, it, was, it was like a gift, an unexpected gift that I never expected. And these words came to me from God. I, I wrote them down. What I have done for you, John, what I have done for Kaylee, I will do for the church, the nation, and the world. I realized in that moment that God was, was <laughs> that God wanted me to push you, wanted me to push the church to make a difference, to step forward, to see the, the church, the community, the nation, the world through God's gracious, generous eyes, to its possibilities and hope that is coming through Jesus Christ. And I don't care what you read in the newspaper, what what you see on the internet, what you're hearing from the news media. These are the words. These are the words that speak hope, that speak generosity, that speak about our future. These are our words, and let us not forget it. Let us not forget this. Let us go forward with boldness. God also gave this word to me. 
These are my words. I'm, I don't hear voices. I'm, I'm not crazy. But it's like God was saying to me, Johnny. My mother used to call me Johnny when she was mad at me. Quit giving me excuses and get to work. I will provide the opportunities like I did this weekend. You just follow. Can you hear the call of Jesus? What will we do with it? Come join me, and I will take what is inside of you and make a difference. From Carrollton to Cambodia, and even in the mountains of Colorado, thanks be to God.